Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. This morning I want to talk to us about faith working by love. Let's look at the book of Ephesians chapter 2, read verses 4 through 6. And this is from the Amplified Version of the Bible. Notice it says, But God, so rich is He in His mercy. Boy, you missed a time to shout right there. Anybody need His mercy? Did you know He's rich? He's rich. But what's He rich in? Gold, silver, cattle, real estate. What's he rich in? Mercy. Because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us. Did you get that? He is displaying his mercy in order to satisfy his great wonderful, intense love wherewith He loved us. Even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, He made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ Himself, the same new life with which He quickened Him. For it is by grace, His favor and mercy, which you did not deserve that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation. And he raised us up together with him and made us sit down together, giving us joint seatings. Wow. What more needs to be said? Uh, excuse me, sir, where is your seat? I'm right next to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I'm seated with him. How about you? If someone were to ask you, what's this book about? What would you say? This book is about redemption. In the Old Testament, redemption is being prepared. In the New Testament, it is being manifested. In the book of Acts, redemption is being propagated. In the epistles, that redemption is being explained. And in the book of Revelation, redemption is consummated. This book is a book about redemption. God redeeming us as an act of his will. As a matter of fact, thank God that he sent Jesus to do what we couldn't do for ourselves, which means we couldn't be redeemed by any act of our own. But he sent Jesus to redeem us. He gave his best so that we could have a right relationship with him. He went to great lengths so that we could have a restored relationship with him. This is the reason why sometimes I think when I think about people that the Calvinistic view that say that predestination, you know, election and all that means God wanted some to be saved and God didn't want some to be saved. God wants some for hell and some for heaven. You know, I don't even know where they get that. They play on some of these verses. But let me just say something just real quick and brief about that. 
If God designed that many would go to hell, then why in the book of Genesis chapter 6 was he upset with the way they were living? He should have been happy. Why destroy the earth with a flood? Why do that? They're doing what you, what you want them to do. But you see, you can't justify that. Throughout all scriptures, from the beginning in Genesis to Revelation, what we find out is that God made man and gave him a choice. And even though he made the wrong choice because he loved the whole world so much to satisfy his great intense love for humanity, he provided redemption. And from Genesis to Revelation, even in Revelation 22, 17, it says, Whosoever will, let him come and drink from the fountain of life freely. It's up to us to make that decision and that choice. So, that was free. There is nothing that produces faith in the heart of a believer like experiencing the intense love that God has for every single one of us. See, if we need healing, if we need deliverance, if we need strength, if we need help from above, it's our faith that gets it. We understand that we receive by faith. But for faith to rise to a high level and be elevated in our lives, we need to understand God's love for us, for you as an individual, for me as an individual. And that's why Paul said faith works by love or faith is energized by love. So when a person has an understanding and a revelation of the love of God, well, then that's going to enable their faith to rise up to where you can receive from God because you know that just like any earthly parent, he's going to provide your need. Look in Galatians chapter six and ver chapter 5 and verse 6, rather. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Faith which worketh by love. That's what matters. We talked about that for the last couple of weeks. What really matters in Christ is faith. Faith in what? Redemption. Faith in all that God did for us to establish a right relationship with himself. So faith works by love. So when I know how much he loves me, that elevates my level of faith. A quick example here, an illustration. This Methodist doctor was uh, diagnosed as having some kind of eye uh, condition that eventually would lead to his being blind. He prayed. He asked others to pray for him. And they all prayed to no avail. Over time, his sight was deteriorating, just like the woman with the issue of blood. She was nothing better, but rather grew worse. He got to the point where he was almost blind. And his father, of course, a little, he was elder, an elderly man, said to him, son, one day, you've, I've lived my life. You're young. I'm donating my eyes to you. The son just heard that and said, no, no, you're not giving me your sight. I'm not in any way receiving that from you. It wasn't a very long time later that the man was completely healed. His eyes were completely made whole. And people came to him and said, how did that happen? How did it happen? His response was this. For the first time, I saw my heavenly father. When my father came to me and said that he would pluck out his eyes for me, then I realized God loves me a whole lot more than what my heavenly father, than my, my earthly father does. At that moment, healing became easy. It became easy for me to reach out and just say, 
I receive it. You see, when he realized the love that God had for him, it was easy to believe that he would do that for him. Now, I'm going to take a side journey here this morning, if that's okay with you. If not, I'm still going to take a side journey. Is that okay? <laughs> I came out just at the end of the charismatic movement into Christ and the beginning of the Word of Faith movement. In 1960, an Episcopal, Episcopal pastor, minister, got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave him utterance. He preached from his pulpit for the next that week and then two more weeks after that about his experience and many others within the congregation got filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave him utterance. See, this was at the end of the, charis the beginning of the charismatic movement, went right on through. And then, all of a sudden, from all the different denominational churches, people started getting filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues and having gifts of the Spirit in operation. Well, guess what happened to that Episcopal minister? He was given the left foot of fellowship. You know what the left foot of fellowship is? He was ousted from his pulpit. Now imagine that. All these years he is a faithful preacher and all of a sudden he gets filled with the Holy Ghost, speaks with other tongues and booted right out. Well, guess what? That wasn't going to stop God. There was a group of Baptists. Yeah, I said it, Baptists. And they were in a prayer meeting, a very sincere prayer meeting. They were all gathered together in this prayer meeting when all of a sudden the Holy Ghost fell on them. And they start talking in languages that they didn't understand. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. They started seeing signs and wonders. They were laying hands on the sick and they got, they, they recovered and all that. And guess what? It blew their theology out of the water. Then, at the end of the charismatic movement, came the Word of Faith movement. In the 1970s, early 1970s, the Word of Faith movement picked up from there. Because you see, whenever God is emphasizing something by His Spirit, He always going to give you a word balance so that you can understand this is the foundational teaching that makes that a reality. Well, when I came here in 1979, the Word of Faith teaching was not popular. It's not like it is on today's TV and all your programs and all that. You can li listen to Andrew Womack and hear him preach and teach this the same kind of a message. Uh, and then many others teaching the same kind of Word of Faith you know, message. But back then, praise God, when I first got saved and I walked into the, from the charismatic into the Word of Faith movement, I learned some principles and some uh, concepts of faith that absolutely revolutionized my life, but I didn't know they were frowned upon from the mainline churches. So you know what? Sometimes ignorance is bliss. I went to the church where I got filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues because I was never exposed to that before. And there I was. And after a, just a couple of weeks that I was there, you know, I was really big on reading the teaches, teachings of Kenneth Hagin on faith and how faith operates and how faith works and all that. And it just blessed me immensely. I can't even tell you how much I got blessed by it. I owe my family to it. But anyhow, I went to the pastor and I just said, you know, I think it'd be nice to have Kenneth Hagin come in and teach on, on um, faith and in healing. Know what he said to me? He didn't say it with these words, but it might, it might, might have been these words. You, you want me to invite the devil? Whoa. See, I didn't know at that time. I had no clue. I had no idea that what he represented and what he taught was frowned upon by these people. And the mainline church didn't realize that. 
Oh, I'm just having a wonderful time in God, reading these books on how to use your faith. You can believe God. You can believe you receive and you can have. You walk with God. As I, you go on right, a line right now and you pull up Word of Faith and you know what you're going to get? All kinds of criticism. It's nothing but name it, claim it. It's nothing but finances and health and all that. And I was thinking as I was, first of all, looking at all that stuff I just said, first of all, they have no idea what they're talking about. There may be some extremes to it, and I admit to that, but they don't know what they're talking about because that's not what Word of Faith is founded on. We believe that God, praise God, declared his word to be true, sent his word, Christ himself, to come here and communicate with us the truths of God's word. And he did, and he taught faith. He taught us how to operate in faith. So we're lining up with what he said. As a matter of fact, on one occasion, I told somebody who said, well, you believe in the word of faith. And I said, well, in Romans chapter 10, Paul preached the word of faith. Did you ever read that? And it's really something how people can say, what do you mean? Read it. Paul said this word of faith that we preach. But what saith it? It's in your mouth and in your heart. The word of faith which we preach. So Paul preached the word of faith. Just because somebody distorted it, someone took it to an extreme, doesn't mean it's not true. You see, when I learn these principles, I'm telling you right now, you talk about the enemy coming along to destroy, to kill, steal, and destroy. I'm in my parents' basement. I've got, I just got saved. I mean, I was recently saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. The fire of God came into my life. That My tongue was set ablaze and on fire. I didn't know a whole lot. All I knew was what I was reading was all in the Bible. And I read line upon line, precept upon precept. And so I'm teaching these truths to this group of about 15 people in the basement of my parents' home. And as gracious as they were, they would have, you know, snack sandwiches and all that after this, after this little meeting was over. But this is what took place back in the, in the 70s. This was 1976, 7, and then 8, and when I went off to Rama, And we'd have these wonderful meetings, and the power of God was there, and the word was going forth. I had no idea that People out there in, in the church world frowned upon any of this. But I'm so glad I didn't. Amen. You know why I'm so glad I didn't? Because while I'm standing there preaching like this, teaching these line upon line, precept upon precept principles, what I'm talking about how, you know what, God doesn't have to be a better giver. We've got to be a better receiver. <clears throat> God has given everything. It's up to me to receive it. And people couldn't understand it. See, the charismatic movement was, if it doesn't happen immediately at the altar, then that's it. it. Mustn't have been the will of God. But see, the word of faith comes along and just says, no, no. Did you believe you received it? Oh, yeah, I believed I received it at that moment. But look at I didn't get it. No, no, stop right there. It doesn't say when you pray, believe you receive it, if it happens instantly. When you pray, believe you receive it, and you will have it. It will manifest, in other words, if you stay in faith. So we were teaching people that principle and that concept. And you know what happened? People were receiving from God that never were receiving before. They were learning how to appropriate faith, apply the principles of faith, and receive by faith. And so maybe it didn't happen at the altar. It didn't matter. You believe you received it the moment you were prayed for. Then when you walked out the door, you said... I will praise you because you heard me and I know I have the petition I desired of you. And when you walk out that door and you say, well, but the devil says, but you feel what you feel. Feeling has nothing to do with it. 
Devil, I believe I receive it, and therefore I know I have it, and I'm thanking my God for it, period. And that's the bottom line right there. And that was something that these people didn't understand. Even the charismatics didn't understand that. But you know what? I thank God I wasn't tainted with all this garbage that goes into the ears of people today. You know why? Because that's when my daughter fell. Ten feet. Backwards. Three and a half years old. Straight down. Split her eye open. Couldn't walk. Like a lip rag. Just laying there. And I heard it. Cape Cod house. Attic. Straight down. Ten feet. Wooden floor. Wooden steps. Just lying there. And I'm preaching faith. I got 15 people around me. The moment I heard that thud, something inside here, that's your daughter. Put yourself in that position. That's my only child. I run upstairs. I see her. Scoop her up in my arms. She's like a limp rag. Blood pouring out of her eye right here. She can't stand up. I lay her in the living room. Mom's living room was always off. You can't go in mom's living room. You know, when she passed to be with the Lord, I think it was just a few years before that, we took uh, the plastic off of her couch. Remember the couch that your parents had that no one sat on? And the plastic stayed on for many, many years. Mm -hmm. Only on a rare occasion was somebody allowed in that room. That was that. But you see, I took her, I laid her on that rug, blood pouring out of her face. I'm at a loss for words. I'm teaching about God. My daughter's lying there. I have no idea what's happening with her. I lay my hands on her belly. I ask the others to join me. We all lay hands on her belly. You know when the Bible says you know not what you should pray for as you ought, but the Holy Ghost will take hold together with you and help you pray out the perfect will of God with groanings that cannot be uttered. In other words, not articulate speech. Someone says, oh, that gibberish. Gibberish saved my daughter's life. It wasn't gibberish. I just began to pray in tongues as hard and as fast as I could. Now, you might be thinking, call the ambulance. That wasn't even in my, my mental faculties. I was almost traumatized by what was going on, watching her in that condition. And mind you, before this, if she had a fever, she was at the, at the doctor's office like that. Had nothing to do with what I believed in as far as that goes. I knew she was in danger. And I laid my hands on her stomach and all these people joined together with me. And we're all praying in tongues. And sometimes I'll say, we get picked up for speeding. We were praying so fast and so hard in other tongues. When all of a sudden, it's almost as if, see, it's hard to explain spiritual things. It's, it's almost as if someone grabbed me and I went like that. I'm down like this praying with her and boom, like that. I said, thank God she's healed. Let's go finish the Bible study. I don't suggest anybody do that. I don't, wouldn't probably do that again. But that was a manifestation of what is called special faith. You know what special faith is? Faith that goes beyond your, your regular faith that you have. I didn't know that at the time, but special faith went an operation that enabled me to believe for something that was so far beyond anything I could imagine. 
with my daughter's life that I just said, let's go finish the Bible study. Someone got a wet washcloth and just stuck it over here on her face, drying the blood up. We went back downstairs. When it was over, took her in my arms, laid her in her bed, laid her on her, in her bed, and um, went to bed myself. The moment I lay down on the bed, the devil said to me, you realize she's going to die. You better go see what's going on with her. You know what? You can't tell someone to do this. You understand what I'm saying? You don't just tell someone you do what I did. I would never say that. I just lay there and every part of my body was shaking with fear. We walked by faith, not by what? I just lay there and just said, you're too late. You're too late. Now she's healed is what I heard. I said, she's healed. You talk about fighting the good fight of faith? She's healed is what I said. And then, went to sleep. Oh, yeah, did you feel in the, in the natural world you were irresponsible? Well, that thought crossed my mind. But then again, I knew that he said, now she's healed. So I go to sleep. I am pleasantly awakened in the morning by this little girl who couldn't stand, running into our bedroom, looking in the mirror. Now, she's three and a half, not even four years old yet. And she says, thank you, Jesus, you healed me. I'm looking around. There she is. Thank you, Jesus, you healed me. Not you're going to heal me, you healed me. Now, mind you, this side of her faith was unrecognizable. You couldn't tell that was my little girl. On this side, it was her. On that side, it was swollen black and blue and, and all that. And then underneath here, it developed like a, you know, uh, in maybe affection or whatever it was, just... So there I am, watching this little girl standing there saying, thank you, Jesus, you healed me. Of course, I joined together with her. She did that for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday morning when she woke up and did the same thing every day in a row. See, that was a Saturday night when it happened. All this fell off. All this was together. And that side of her face was back to normal. And I took her to the same church the following Sunday. And they looked at me and said, what happened? To her? It looked like nothing happened. to her. I said, yeah, I know. God healed her. God healed her. So when, the, so when people come up to me and say this word of faith is nothing but heresy, I'll be honest with you, it could be very offensive to me. Because you see, you want to take it to that extreme, people take it to an extreme, but don't tell me that there is not legitimacy to what God's word teaches us about how faith works and operates. You know what Jesus said? People want to hear this. When the disciples said that they couldn't cast the devil out of this boy, this young man, you know what? They said, Lord, why couldn't we do it? He did it, why couldn't we do it? He didn't him haul around. He says, because you're unbelief. See, God wants us to get to a place that we can handle that. Because you're unbelief. People don't want to hear that. It's easier to say it's God's fault. It's not the will of God for it to be done. 
You know what? That's exactly what the devil wants people to say. God just doesn't want it to be done. If God wanted to do it, he would have done it. God made me this way. If he didn't want me this way, he wouldn't have made me this way. That's a cop out. What, did God throw my daughter off the railing 10 feet down to do that? No. The point I'm making this morning is this. I came here with a message 42 years ago that absolutely revolutionized, I believe, many lives. It opened up the door for people to receive from God like they've never received before. We've had testimonies of women that couldn't get pregnant. Once they heard this message, they got pregnant and had children. Over the years, many have had this happen to them. Why? Because they, all they had to do was make an adjustment, just tweak something in their faith life. This man I just shared with you about, he prayed, nothing happened. Others prayed, nothing happened. His father comes along and just says, I'm going to give you my eyes, son. It hits him square between the eyes. No, no, Dad, you're not doing that for me. He said, I saw my father for the first time as a loving heavenly father. And when I did, it made me understand he loves me more than my dad does. I received my healing. And he got healed just like that. You talk about this great love wherewith he loves us. But that's the great love. Look at Matthew's gospel, chapter 7. You know, we're talking about the word of faith movement that's been once again just I just, it, it, it does annoy me when I hear people say, you mean the wealth and health? Oh, no, I mean, let's all get sick and poor. <laughs> Come to our church. We preach poverty and sickness. Come on, everybody learn. The pastor will teach you how to stay sick and stay poor. We might as well take both extremes if you're going to look at it that way. I'm not talking about he's going to make you a millionaire because whatever you say, you're going to have. Well, I say I'm a millionaire. If that's the mentality that those people have, then you know what? Something is wrong with them because that's not what Jesus taught. He said, you've got a mountain standing between you and victory, then start talking to it. Don't let that mountain talk to you. You talk to that mountain. You see, spiritual maturity is this. My parents loved me enough to bring me to a place where I could become a God-fearing adult not baby, right? Means I can get to a place that I can use my God-given authority to do what? Cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents. If I drink in a deadly thing, it won't hurt me. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What's, what's Jesus saying? I want you to use the power of attorney. I want you to use my name and I want you to start taking authority of the things that come from the kingdom of darkness. Did you hear that? Yes. It's not that God was doing it. The devil's doing it and people don't know how to deal with it. Take authority over it. Think about even COVID. Do you take authority over it? Yeah. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over you and cast you out. You can't live in this temple of the Most High God. Yeah. Or are we just sitting back and just saying, well, I hope he heals me. You see, I've got a hundred people praying for me. I hope he heals me. That's not what he said to do. You got a mountain? Speak to it. You got a sickness? Speak to it. Speak Life, not death. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love us shall eat the fruit. We're going to eat the fruit of our words. People hear that and they just go, one of those fanatical teachers. No, no, don't let the devil rob you of what belongs to you, which is the right to use the name of Jesus against what opposes you in this life. We have a right to use that name. We've got the power of attorney. 
You realize that? Man lost his dominion in the beginning and Satan became the rebel holder of authority. Jesus came back, entered the strong man's house and says, Ha ha, I'm taking it all back. And now he said, all power and authority belongs to me. So now you go in my name and you start wreaking havoc with the kingdom of darkness. Take authority over those demon powers and those forces that are trying to destroy your life. That's what he said to do. But then these people wanted to say, well, you think you've got God in your pocket. He said, how immature is that? I expect my children to grow up. You expect your children to grow up? Right. He expects us to grow up. And start using the rod. Moses says to God, these people are harping all over me. We got Egyptians behind us. We got mountains to the left and right. We've got a Red Sea in the front of us. Oh man, what are we going to do now? Moses, you got the rod, use it. What's the rod represent? The word of God. You've got the rod, use it. What did God tell Ezekiel? Speak to the bones. What did he say to the wind? Speak to the wind. So in other words, he is saying that death and life are the power of the tongue, and I'm giving you the authority in my name to, to transact business for me upon the earth. You start taking authority over the things the devil brings your way. That was a message that a lot of people didn't understand. And as a result, you know, you're, you're tagged as a lunatic or a heretic or whatever. You know what? I don't believe it's time to get weaker. I believe it's time to get stronger in this. You know why? We're living in the last of the last days. That's why. We're not going to sit back and let the devil run all over us. Look at these verses in Matthew chapter 7. Two translations. This is the King James and also the Message Bible. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asks receives. And he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you? Now, this is the Sermon on the Mount. He is, he is really revealing the heart of God. Whom, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, natural parents know how to give good gifts to your children. Look at those next three words. We should write that on a paper, put it in our mirror, put it in our refrigerator, put it in your car somewhere. How much more. That's what that Methodist doctor said. If my father loves me that much, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Now, let's look at the message translation of that same verse. Sometimes these just make me laugh. I just, it's other translations. Like the, remember the field mouse? Remember field mice and all that? Yeah. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. If your child asks for bread, do you trick him with sawdust? If he asks for fish, do you scare him with a snake, a live snake on his plate? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. So don't you think the God who conceived you in love will eat even better? <laughs> Dante, next time you ask me for something, I'm not going to put a snake on your plate. <laughs> Jason, if you left up your plate, there'll be a pizza under it. So just to let you know. <laughs> Don't you'll get an egg. <laughs> if you, being evil, what's he saying? In comparison to God Almighty, 
We are natural people that are incapable of loving the way he loves. But even in that, at that point, we love our children so much that we still will do everything we possibly can to bless them and to help them. Would we not? Unless you're some infidel somewhere and you know how the Bible talks about that, you know, that you refuse to, to be even a normal parent. You wouldn't do that. You, you give to your children. You provide for them. You care for them. You actually live for them. What are those three words? How much more? How much more? How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to his children when they ask him? See, that's why in Luke, when you read this in Luke 11, what it tells us is this. How much more will he give the Holy Ghost to those that ask him? You see, people sometimes use that. I'm afraid that if I ask for the Holy Ghost, I'll get a snake, a serpent, whatever. No, or a stone. No. No, you're not going to get something evil if you ask for the Holy Ghost. You're going to get the Holy Ghost because that's the nature of your father. So now he is telling us that faith works by love. When I realize that the love that God has for me is not based on how I see myself. You ready for this one? I got a newsflash. Before you were born and did one thing wrong, he loved you with great love. Did you hear that? That doesn't excuse the wrong that we do, but it goes to show this. His love for me is not based on my performance. He will never love me more than he does right now. He'll never love me any less than he does right now, no matter what I do right or what I do wrong. Why? Because God is a constant God. He never changes. He's loved me if I make my bed in hell. He still loves me. But he gave me the right to choose. So when I come to grips with this understanding that God loves me just as I am, I won't let the devil browbeat me with guilt and condemnation. What I'll do when I miss the mark is say, Father, forgive me. I would forgive my own, so you forgive me. I'm asking your forgiveness, and he forgives me, and we go on from there. So when I know he loves me that much, then I know I can stand, if I'm a two-year-old, at the edge of a pool, and my dad's down there, and I can just jump without hesitation. Why? Because I know he loves me enough to catch me. But don't let him miss me once. <laughs> then comes the doubt. I don't doubt his love. I doubt his ability to catch. <laughs> so, what I want us to see is that we got to get a, an understanding of God's love. And when we do, it makes believing him so much easier. That's how much he loves me. So, yes, I'm going to believe. I believe, praise God. I thought we'd get into some of this, but um, we're not. We've got to become better receivers, not God be, better, be a better giver. James said it this way, the brother of our Lord, the half-brother of our Lord. He said in James 1, 5 through 7, you can look it up later, it's listed there, but there it is. If you, any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and abrades not, and it shall be given him. From, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea being with, uh, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall, what? Receive. Receive anything. Wow, wisdom or anything. Why? Because you see, God's a faith God. We've got to receive a faith. 
when we start teaching people they got to receive by faith, well then, now that's taboo because that means I got a responsibility and I don't want that responsibility. I, it's easier to say, well, it mustn't have been the will of God. Yeah, I prayed and asked him for that, but it mustn't have been the will of God because it didn't happen within 10 seconds. See, people don't want to hear that. Why do you think it's called fight the good fight of faith? Because it's a fight. What's the fight? Your feelings and emotions get in the way. The devil, the word, and the flesh get in the way. You realize that? And then we want to sit back and just say the easier route, route is to do what? Well, it must have been the will of God, so I'm just going to move on from here. You know what the devil says? Go ahead. Have at it. You know, he attacked Jesus, and Jesus resisted him, and he left looking for a more opportune time to come back. Did you know that? You can read it in the Bible. Jesus prayed that Peter's faith fail not. Why? Because he knew the importance of using his faith to stand against the opposition, the devil. Peter himself said that your faith is like, is great, it's more precious than, than gold tried by fire. So you see, our faith is so important because it accesses all that God has already given. So we don't have to become better. God doesn't have to become a better giver. I've got to become a better receiver and someone who appropriates what he has done for me by using the authority that he's given me in his name. That's what God wants for all of us. So um, I can go on and just share with you so many experiences that have taken place as a result of this message. So when someone comes along and just says this is heresy, I can't tell you how troubling it is to me. Because if it were not for this message, I don't know what would have happened to my daughter, if she would have been a quadriplegic, if she would have died from hemorrhage, blood pouring out of her eye. I don't know what would have happened. And you might say, well, that may have not happened. Do you think I'm going to go down that path and determine whether or not what happened? Do you think that maybe I didn't call an ambulance because it would have been too late? Oh, did you hear that? God knows. It might have been too late. Have you ever called one? It's not that fast. Am I saying the truth? You're in a panic mode and it takes them 20 minutes to get there. A lot can happen in 20 minutes, can it not? I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying that in that situation, maybe she would have died right there in front of me. Maybe she would have bled, had a brain bleed and died right in front of me. Blood was pouring out of her eye. Literally. She couldn't walk. And so I just prayed and God moved by his spirit and brought healing into her body. And within one week, even the natural part of her, the, the part that was all swollen, went back to normal. And I may never know until I get to heaven what would have happened if we didn't do that. But I wouldn't want to go back there and change it for anything. So when people tell me that this, you're just wealth and health gospel. Really? You think that's what it's about? Let me tell you what it's really about. Using your faith to know God is what it's about. Using your faith to know that he loves you. And don't let your feelings tell you that he doesn't. Or the devil or the world. Using your faith to walk close with God like Enoch did. Can you say amen? amen. Let's all stand together.